Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Cryptocurrent Live. I am your host, Steve Miller. And this is another edition of our live stream, which we bring to you every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, the drinker of many bobas, the friend of many puppies, Mr. Chris Corneros. How are we doing, Chris? Doing great, Steve. How are you? Oh, man. Another beautiful day in crypto land. So this is actually the second stream that we've done with that new opener. And it's the first one that you've actually been on where you've seen it um, live and in production. So I have the time. It made my day to see you with that puppy. That puppy loves you. Yeah, for everyone uh, who's going to be tuning in after the fact and listening to this on uh, all streaming platforms for podcasts, if you have the time, check out our YouTube. Go just watch the first minute of a past live stream to see the new intro. It will be well worth the wait. I promise you that. For sure. Well, look, that reminds me, everybody do us a favor, make sure that you're subscribed to the show over here on YouTube. But also if you are willing to listen to us back um, in our recasts, we are making the show available across all podcast platforms. So wherever you get your podcasts, please go check us out. Cryptocurrent pod, I believe is what you have to search. But we've got a big, exciting show ahead today. So do us a favor, make sure that you're active in the chat. Hit us up in the comments. We want to make sure we're answering your questions here live. we got a big, brave, bold show ahead today. So let's dive in to what we're talking about. The big topic of the day is the Forbes 30 under 30 list is out. And suffice to say, crypto has taken over. It's not even, it's not even fair. Okay, we, I think we've got probably 20 names on that list and we're going to run, run them back for you. Um, but before we do... As always on this show, we have to do some buy, buy, sell, or hodl. As you've come to appreciate on these shows, we always bring you buy, sell, or hodl, whether it's Tuesday or Thursday here at Cryptocurrent Live. And this week, we bring you two massive mainstream moves in the buy, sell, or hodl news segment. And then we're also going to follow this up with a little NFT update before we carry forward. But Chris, the big piece of news today is following Square officially rebranding to Block. Besides this being a very three-dimensional choice on their part, tell me a little bit about what you understand of this rebrand. So in case anyone missed it, uh, Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Square, was also one of the founders and the previous CEO of Twitter. He officially stepped down. Actually, I think his official departure is going to be at the end of the year, but he publicly stepped down. It was all announced, uh, I believe, like two days ago. So I think November 30th uh, is when he officially stepped down. A lot of the rumors kind of floating around him were that you know people were assuming he was leaving Twitter to go and work more on Bitcoin and blockchain projects because he tried to incorporate the Lightning Wallet with Twitter to enable Bitcoin transfers. So this is something that some people saw coming to a degree, but... This is massive news. Like you were saying, Steve, this is a massive mainstream move. Not just because you have one of the biggest names in tech and social media jumping over to work specifically with blockchain, but because they're also merging Cash App and Tidal and TVDEX and Spiral uh, all underneath the Square brand. And for those who don't know, not every company 
necessarily will attach brands to the parent company. For example, General Motors for years put the GM logo on all their car brands. And then I think it was about five years ago, they stopped doing that. So Chevy, GMC, Buick, etc. now are all separate. This is the opposite of that. Square is bringing in these other brands to the fold under yeah, block. So, so we had actually brought that to you earlier on Tuesday's show, talking a little bit about Jack Dorsey stepping down from um, Twitter. But to me, Chris, like this is a really, really interesting development, especially the part where they're going to bring all... Is it four or five? I think it's actually five. I think we're missing one in the um, deck here. But five of these applications are all going to be brought under the roof of Block, which is... I mean, it's a bold move because they were already doing a ton of Square Crypto. But now that they're officially spinning Spiral and Tidal and TBDEX and Cash App under Block, it feels like what Facebook's doing to change to Meta, but at the same time, it's not. Um, so I'm, I'm having a little bit of difficulty on that. I definitely see this as a massive win for Square's stock. Oh, yeah. um, but I also have to ask, are they going to rebrand the ticker? <laughs> to what? To like BLK? <laughs> BLK, Block, who knows? But yeah. anyway, there's a second massive mainstream move going on this week. And that is Crypto.com announcing that, they have a, that they're moving to acquire two major US exchanges. First of which, the bigger of the two, for reasons that you'll understand in a second, is the North American Derivatives Exchange, otherwise known as Nadex. The second of which is the small exchange. Obviously, Nadex is the bigger of the two. <laughs> Chris, you're the Crypto.com fanboy around here. Tell me why this is a really big deal. So... One, if y'all don't know Crypto.com, you should. It's one of the most popular widespread exchanges in the world for crypto. Um, and I assume everyone listening or watching on YouTube probably heard of them buying this small sports arena called the Staples Center in Los Angeles. So very big company. The reason though that this move is so big is their goal, the goal of Crypto.com here by acquiring these derivatives exchanges is to open up their user base to more traditional you know, derivatives type trading that I believe down the line will also enable crypto derivatives, which are currently not available on either as far as I'm aware. And look, I think that there was a big conflict around that earlier on this year when the SEC was originally planning to go after some, some of these DeFi protocols. The one thing that they were saying was likely going to get targeted first was derivatives and um, synthetic assets. So I'm curious to see how this develops if they end up rolling it into crypto.com. But before we move any further, I have to share some breaking news. Breaking news. This developing in the last couple of hours, Badger DAO apparently, um, which is a decentralized autonomous organization working on bridging Bitcoin to DeFi. Um, they've, felt, they've reportedly fallen victim to a hack, possibly resulting in losses over $120 million. But wait, but wait, there's more. The SEC, about an hour ago, denies Wisdom Tree's application in the latest Bitcoin ETF rejection. It continues. Apparently, Gary Gensler decides at, at will that he wants to fire down more ETF um, applications for very little um, reason. They just decide to do it. I, I have a feeling I know why, and we'll talk about this later because interestingly enough, this will tie into the uh, Forbes 30 under 30 conversation. But I have a feeling he's only going to approve ETFs if you have a major player in traditional finance backing it. And I assume that is the reason because that's the only way, way really to guarantee that you have the liquidity to back up these trades. Just Not that sure I agree with it, but I think that's why. Just to make sure that I'm picking up what you're putting down, are you referring more to like ARK Invest? Yes. Okay. All right. In that case, we'll dive into that in a little bit. But let's jump into our NFT update for the day. A couple really big headlines. Um, first of which is Phaeton Arena, which is a blockchain game that's a play-to-earn game. So if you watched our show on Tuesday, we decrypted a lot of blockchain gaming. Well, here's the top one in the news. Phaeton Arena debuts at number one in the App Store. This game just rolled out. There's a lot of hype behind it. Chris is not a fan of it. But 
that does not change the fact that it's debuting at the top of the games in the App Store. So that's a really big move for blockchain games in general. Got to give a little bit of a tip of the cap to Thetan Arena. And oh, I also yeah. know that the price of Thetan Arena's coin has gone ballistic on this news. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and it's not that I don't like it. <laughs> um, just for those listening, anyone watching, some kind of background, what Thetan Arena is, if you're familiar with League of Legends, it's a similar top-down kind of game. Um, not really MOBA-esque. These are like three to five minute games, hence why it is available on mobile and so popular on mobile. Um, that's the general gist of it. Go check it out for yourself. Create your own opinions. But I'll tell you mine, which is that it is a play-to-earn game. That is true. You can ingest real money into it, inject real money, sorry, into it to kind of give yourself a leg up. But at the end of the day, the more you play, the more you will earn. My reservation about it and my reservation with all NFT games, and now I have kind of confirmation because I played it yesterday, is that yes, you can earn NFTs, you can earn these exclusive skins and all that, and it's great. But unless you actually play the game, these skins and having these things are worthless to you. So the entire economy is going to be centered around the players themselves. And although the game was fun, I honestly wouldn't choose to play it over others. And I think that's going to be something that really slows down the you know major adoption of a lot of these NFT games is something that people consistently use because unless the game itself is good enough to get a massive player base and keep that massive player base, what you earn really isn't going to be worth that much unless they can really amp up the gameplay down the line. Yeah, and I happen to agree. I think that there's one big thing that was left unsaid on Tuesday's stream when we were breaking down blockchain gaming. And that's the while you're going to see a lot of these games pop up in the mobile realm, like you're playing it on your iPhone, you're playing it on your Android device, the real big games, the ones that are platformers, you know, what you what you would normally see on like Xbox or highly graphic intensive games where it's a triple A title. Those games are first, like they have to. They're first going to roll out on um, your desktop devices. So that's how I would be thinking about it. Absolutely. And one last thing, just to kind of give an analogy for the way this economy will essentially work down the line is similar to the Counter-Strike economy on the Steam platform where there are skins that are limited edition that you can buy, sell, or trade. Some of them go for quite literally tens and tens of thousands of dollars. But if you don't play the game, why would you spend you know, $20,000 on a skin for your assault rifle, right? Similar concept. That being said, Counter-Strike has a player base of a million players, essentially, consistently. So yeah. if you see numbers like that from these games, then yeah, you're going to see a lot of money being made and a lot of money being transferred just to acquire some of these skins. So keep an eye out for them um, and give them a shot, honestly. They weren't for me, but doesn't mean they won't be for you. And overall, they're pretty solid. And no doubt. Well, look, let's carry on forward. Um, two other quick headlines today. The first of which is there have been a flood of Miami crypto conferences lately. You have Art Basel, Miami, Decentral, and NFT land all happening to coincide in Miami across the last couple of days. I have not seen a lot of news out of these conferences. I think they've made it more so for the enthusiasts and the consumer than for industry-related news. But if we see any updates out of those conferences, we'll be sure to bring them to you here first uh, so that we can keep you cryptocurrent as always. The final piece of the NFT update today comes to you from FTX US, who has officially opened their NFT trading platform where they're bringing on select projects and... Some that they have already brought on are CryptoPunks, uh, Board Ape Yacht Club, Cool Cats, Doodles, and a few others. But that's a very big piece of news across the desk today. Um, but it wouldn't be an NFT update without breaking news. Breaking news. Three pieces in the last couple of hours for you. So these are all developing. Defiance, a crypto-specific asset management firm, is rolling out a new ETF that will track companies in the NFT space. That's an interesting development to me. I personally think it's really, really big for legacy. Um, the second piece that is just coming out is an announcement saying that filmmakers plan on launching 
the very first Hollywood feature film funded by NFTs. So they're going to be doing an NFT sale to fund a major motion picture. And then the last piece, which I think is probably the most fun piece, the founder of Silk Road, <laughs> Ross Ulbricht, plans on launching an NFT collection on Ethereum. So there's a lot, a lot there. Chris, what do you want to unpack first? <laughs> One quick thing. Shout out to Cold Data, who we have in, in the chat on YouTube. Been super active. So shout out to you, man. Smart move buying Square Stock. And we're trying to work on the audio with those uh, kind of scene changes. But back to what you were just talking about. <laughs> Fun fact about the Silk Road guy. I went to Tulane, as did Steve for everyone listening. And a fun fact is there was a accounting professor at Tulane who used to teach in Dallas. And one of his students happened to be the founder of the Silk Road slash the dark web. <laughs> okay, so who is this? Oh, God. I, I will tell you another time because I'd need to find his name. But he told that story like one of the first days of my financial accounting class. And it I was... was it it couldn't have been Bo, was it? You, I think Bo, Bo was before your time. No, I don't think it would have been him. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Bo parents stopped teaching before you had financial accounting. Yeah, not him. It was someone else who didn't teach that often. But uh, yeah, I, just a fun little connection there. That's how small the world is. <laughs> That's still pretty funny. Well, guys, we'll bring you updates on those pieces as they become available throughout the next couple of days. Let's get into our final top stories. Of course, you may have heard that Meta's head of crypto, David Marcus, is officially out. Um, this is a really big deal in my opinion, especially because like, they were just starting to get into the true crypto side of what Meta was going to do. So it's not like he was fired. He chose to resign to go pursue other entrepreneurial endeavors. Good luck to you, David Marcus. You've officially avoided a dumpster fire. Oh, yeah. um, the, <laughs> the next piece of news, Bancor, which is a big blockchain application, um, I don't believe they're technically a layer one. So I think they are just a dApp that runs on the Ethereum network and across a couple other networks. They've announced new staking pools and an impermanent loss protection feature will be officially rolled out in their V3 update in the next couple of weeks. That's pretty cool. Um, I know a lot of, lot of protocols actually rely on Bancor for um, liquidity. So that's going to be a really, really big deal for them, especially with what they're proposing on impermanent loss protection. Um, real quick, because I, I know you have a general understanding of it. Can you give our audience a little bit of an explainer on what impermanent loss is? If you can't, it's also perfectly fine. Yeah, I need to think about this. Um, yeah, I don't think I could give enough of an ex... I don't think I could explain it well enough. And it would honestly probably just confuse everyone, myself included. So I'm not going to try and I'm not going to take a crack at it. There we go. My brain's working again. Okay, no worries. So let's just, I guess, try to break this down a little bit. Impermanent loss happens when the price of your tokens changes compared to when you deposited them in, into a liquidity pool. So basically, the larger the changes, the bigger the loss is. Does that make better sense to you? Yes. Okay. So that's what they're trying to mitigate. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting that they're actually making this effort and they're innovating on top of what they already have. So big tip of the cap to Bancor today. Um, Absolutely. The next, the next of which is Moon River. I love Moon River. Have I ever told you that? Because I love Moon River. It's like Ethereum 2.0 right now. Ooh. It is so freaking cool. They just integrated Chainlink price feeds. So that means that Moon River is officially DeFi enabled. Moon River is an application slash, um, I think, layer that you can, you can call it a layer one. It's built on Kusama. Basically, completely EVM compatible, brilliant platform, but it is the precursor to Moonbeam, which is going to be on Polkadot's network once they lock in a parachain. Very cool stuff there. And then last but not least, a project that will most likely be taken down due to anti-money laundering <laughs> concerns, Tornado Cash has announced that they're going to deploy on Layer 2 before the end of the year. Tornado Cash, for those that don't know, is a mixer. That means that basically they can scramble um, transaction hashes and mask the movement of your funds. It's so, super yeah. sketchy. <laughs> Essentially, 
this was the this was why the Silk Road was bad, and this is why everyone was freaking out in the early days of the internet and crypto because it makes it very easy to launder money. For those who don't know, that's a common argument against crypto. But a fun fact, less money is laundered every year by a significant degree than people use US dollars for. That yeah. being said, Tornado Cash kind of feeds into that narrative. So really nobody should want to see it succeed in crypto. Just That's because cool. it kind of gives the media an extra chance to take us down a few pegs. So Cole, I appreciate that question in the chat. Um, he's asking if Tornado Cash is like Monero in that. And my understanding of Monero is that it is pre-baked as a privacy coin. So the way that it innately works, it doesn't require... Um, I think they're like immediately tumbling on transaction with Monero, from my understanding. But with Tornado Cash, it's like you can choose to send a payment to somebody and it'll automatically go through a mixer. And then as it is received by that person, basically there's no record of exactly who it came from. So it's, it's a little bit of a tricky definition, but that's my... Um, two or three degrees removed understanding of Tornado Cash. But look, guys, that's going to do it for Buy, Sell, or Hodl this week. Um, again, if there is any article that you find interesting that you'd like us to cover on an upcoming Buy, Sell, or Hodl, please let us know in the comments below. Or you can, of course, get at either me, Richard, or Chris on Twitter. You can get me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. Get Chris at It's Meekus. That is It's Me. C-H-I-S because gaming. And then last <laughs> but not least, you can get Richard at Richard Carthon. But we will be back on Tuesday with another edition of Buy, Seller Hoddle that I'm sure we're going to break some news in as well. Let's move into the big meat and potatoes of this week's episode, talking about Forbes 30 under 30. But before we do, make sure that you like and subscribe. It's the only way that we can beat the YouTube algorithm and make sure more people see this um, show. We would really appreciate it. Let's move into the Aftershock. So every single Thursday here, we'd like to bring you the Aftershock. That's the biggest story of the week. And we basically break it down so that you can understand what is affecting the world of crypto right now and what you should understand about it. So this week, Forbes released their 30 under 30 list. It's an annual list that they release. And this year, unlike some years in the past, it used to just be a list of 30 names. Now they've broken it down to a grouping of names under a category. So in this year's 30 under 30, we had a really, really remarkable thing happen. As we said at the top of the show, about 18 names that Chris and I could find. I imagine we probably missed one or two. 18 names on this 30 under 30 list were from the crypto world. That's a huge win for crypto. Okay. Forbes 30 under 30 is a mainstream, very well respected and acknowledged list that's dropped every year. I cannot say enough how cool this is to say that some of these smaller brands are now going to have exposure to a mainstream audience for the very first time. So we're going to run this back for you um, and give you a little bit of info on the projects and the individuals who are featured in 30 under 30 this year. But Chris, before we get into it, is there any other reason why this headline is really, really impactful for our world? I, I mean, this is a, this is a BFD. That is a big freaking deal. Okay. Just to put this in perspective, right? Like entering the hall, if you're a professional athlete, and you enter the hall of fame at the end of your career. That is a huge deal. It means you are one of the best. Forbes Stunt 30 under 30 is arguably harder because at the end of a long athletic career, it's like spans 20 years. All of these professionals who we're about to run through and talk about have accomplished so much, right? Like blowing other people out of the water in this field before they're 30. And a lot of them, you will, you will come to see, are in their life, are like 24, 25. It is incredible how much they've accomplished. And it's also, hats off to Forbes, right? They get a lot of nominations. That's how they kind of build out the list. They judge it. But they still chose to include so many people, right? And we're looking at three now. I think there are another two or three before we dive into the real meat and potatoes of this. 
But it is incredible. Hats off to Forbes for you know keeping an open mind, right? You don't see much positive coverage of crypto, and they did a fantastic job of not only including people but doing justice to what they've accomplished. For sure. So look, there are three categories represented on this page. You have art and style, you have media, and you have energy. Now, Chris said there were two others. Turns out we were wrong. Um, the projects that they were representing just happened to be named the same exact namesake of crypto projects that are very prominent. Um, those two that really <laughs> threw us off. Um, we immediately saw DM and got really stoked. Like, oh my God, DM's the, the currency of Meta. This is crazy. They already got into 30 under 30. <laughs> nope. That's a women's health platform, just so you know. And then the other one was Circle. Don't remember what that was, but it was not the circle that is behind USDC. USDC. Um, so they're not in it, Chris, just so that you're updated. Unfortunately, it's my favorite stable coin for everyone listening. <laughs> the rest of this list, and for the record, I'm I'm much a much bigger fan of magic internet money. But <laughs> but these are the three categories where we found individuals from crypto represented. Just about everybody else that was named was named in the finance category. So we're going to break these down first. The first of which, honestly, my favorite of these three for sure is Emily Yang. Um, she is otherwise known as People Pleaser in the NFT community, but she's an NFT artist and she's also the founder of Pleaser DAO. Um, really interesting projects. Frankly, I really recommend that you go look up her work up on OpenSea. You can just type in her name, P P L P L E A S R. Her work is phenomenal. I would love to own one of her pieces one day. Uh, she's just a great artist. I think she's also on Foundation. So worth looking at there. But these other two, Chris, I think that you can probably speak more to Blockworks. Uh, but they're both really interesting for their areas. Yeah. So Blockworks is one that I had to look a little more into. But a really big name in the kind of you know crypto world, right? I mean, they are... I honestly don't even know where to start with them, right? Like Blockworks is a major, major company. And if I'm thinking... Nope, I was thinking Blockfolio for a second. Um, Steve, you take this because where I was going is a completely different direction. Yeah, so basically Blockworks is one of the bigger uh, media outlets. So they would be kind of directly in competition with what we're doing. They focus on education to a degree, but not so much. It's more so about reporting the news. So they're breaking news every single day and sharing insights about digital assets to like millions of investors. So that is what Blockworks does. But these guys are on the cutting edge of things. I think they're also using a couple really unique mechanisms to get news in. Um, so that's really interesting to me. I like the fact that they applied Dually. Um, I didn't know that you could do that with Forbes. I did so, not either. So hey, that may... Uh, that may motivate me to apply duly in the future. So who knows? Yeah. Um, in the energy category, Tom Tyree from Stronghold um, Digital Mining. This one's really cool to me. Yeah. This is an awesome company and project. Yeah. So if you didn't if you can't tell from the title, digital mining, they mine Bitcoin, they mine Ethereum. Uh, they are now a bigger player in the space. They have officially IPO'd. The reason he got on the list is because he helped them with that process. But the really cool thing about Stronghold is they're doing it green. So they actually took one of the biggest energy disasters in Pennsylvania and across like the last 10 years and were able to convert all of that waste into energy that they could recycle for digital mining purposes. Really dope project, in my opinion. I think it's really, really cool that he's getting acknowledged. Oh, it, it's it's awesome. And for those who don't know, right? Obviously, the topic of environmental impact comes in all the time when discussing, you know, why crypto is bad or why people are against it. They don't want to harm the environment. Well, fun fact: it really is only Bitcoin mining that's actually bad for the environment because of the way it works. It requires an ungodly amount of energy to mine a single coin, let alone several. And what they're doing is essentially trying to bring it carbon neutral, which is awesome, right? Because it's besides the fact that it's going to help the environment, it also is just another kind of positive and bonus that's going on, right? You're seeing all this innovation happen incredibly quickly, and it's solving a very important issue in crypto, which is the insane energy consumption. And the nice thing here 
is currently most of the Bitcoin mining operations, I think, globally are outside of the U.S. But by you know starting this company in the U.S., by having it basically all here, it opens up the space for future investment into crypto mining within the United States, which is awesome for yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is very, very cool for us. Um, rest of the world. Sorry. Get on level. All right, step <laughs> up. Um, hopefully that did not offend any of our uh, fans in France. Bonjour to you. Anyway, let's move on to the next category because that is our three represented um, categories. If you, if you get a second before we get into this, after you're done watching this magnificent stream on YouTube or listening to it on Recast um, through your favorite podcast platform, do me a favor, go up and check out PleaserDAO's website because I just remember this before we um, got off the page. PleaserDAO's website is wild. Like really one of the best designed websites I've seen in a minute. It's trippy as all hell. Um, worth visiting. Don't do it during the stream. Please. <laughs> We've got a lot of shit to talk about. So as you can see on screen right now, crypto clearly commands Forbes finance category. Clearly. Okay. I think we've got, if my ability to do math here is correct, we've got 12 names on screen and that's the ones that we were able to pull out. As we said, there are likely other names that we missed. But if you're among those names, just know we love you as well and come on to our podcast. We would love to interview you. But we're going to break down a couple of these for you as we go through and we'll kind of start at the top and work our way through. Um, so you may be familiar with some of these logos if you're joining us on YouTube. Alameda Research, really big one. Okay, hey, Unreal. This yeah. is, for those who don't know, originally founded by Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder founder and CEO of FTX, the exchange, uh, which was formerly Blockfolio, right? Um, no. So FTX is what it's always been. FTX acquired Blockfolio and it was a Got it. Okay. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, Alameda Research, essentially what they're doing is they are a financial research institution, but for crypto. And the cool thing and the reason that these two, so Caroline Ellison and Sam Tra Trabuco, sorry, the co-CEOs of Alameda, the reason they got in is because they found a way essentially to, I think it was either sell their data or something along those lines where they've increased essentially the revenue of this company by like $100 million a year by literally just repurposing information they were wasting. So really, really cool. Um, as a data analyst, I love to hear it and love to see it. Yeah, I mean, they're a really, really strong group. Um, you're right though. Like this was this original, a true OG SBF project. And frankly, anymore in crypto, I'm just like, okay, well, like what didn't Sam Bankman Fried like, start? <laughs> He's been involved in so many projects at this point. And frankly, I'm shocked to not see him included in this list because I believe yeah. he's in his twenties. Uh, he, he got on it when in, I think 2017 or 2019. Uh, oh, well, makes sense when he yeah, was a teenager or something. Yeah, no, he's currently 25 for those who don't know. He's... Oh, and the cooler thing about him, side note here, sorry, we're getting sidetracked. The cooler thing about him is he is what he calls like a functional altruist or something where he's going to make as much money as possible in his life with the express purpose of just donating that money back to causes he cares about. He essentially wants to die at a net zero. He doesn't want to leave an inheritance. He wants to just make a ton of money and then support causes he cares about. So really, really cool guy and puts me to shame as he's a, about a year older than me, two years. <laughs> well, look, he's younger than me. So I don't know what that says to you. <laughs> uh, look, let's carry it forward. Either way, these are the co-CEOs of Alameda Research doing great work in that space. But then you also have um, a director of project management from Fidelity Digital Assets. This is really unique to me because you don't necessarily see directors making the 30 under 30 very frequently. And I didn't quite get to understand why his work was so important over at Fidelity, Dig Fidelity Digital. But I'm assuming it's like he's in charge of like paving the way for Fidelity to digital assets to really take off. Um, that was that my understanding. understanding. Yeah. Okay, so we understand it the same. Yes. We are in agreement. Yeah. So congrats, Ben. Um, you are now working with the biggest financial financial institution in the world and um, kicking butt. 
So, so if you could let me invest my 401k into Bitcoin, that would be great. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the next one on the list is Ophelia Snyder, who is the co-founder of 21 Shares. So basically what 21 Shares does is they produce... Um, a, I think it's a, a small group. I think it's six physically backed ETPs where you can invest in like a crypto portfolio. Um, is this the one that was ARK Invest, tied? It was not. I will explain that later. Okay, perfect. So let's carry this one forward unless you had something you wanted to add on 21 shares. I'm not that familiar with 21 shares. Fair enough. Let's carry this one forward. There she is. I uh-huh. knew I would find it. Okay. Elena Natalinsky. Hopefully I didn't butcher your last name. That's how I would have pronounced it too. So sorry in advance, perfect. Elena, if you ever watch this. Yeah. And just for the record, I want it on the record here. If any of you um, listeners or viewers, if you're joining us on YouTube, happen to know Elena Natalinsky, we would love to have her on the podcast. Because She's very cool. <laughs> not like not only, and this is not me fangirling or anything, not only is Ironfish a really, really cool L1 privacy blockchain, go look at their text some other time. The reason she made this list is because she was apparently a co-signer with Kathy Wood on the ARK Invest um, Bitcoin spot ETF that was proposed. And she's not even like working at ARK Invest from what I understand. No, I think it's Kathy really- Wood or, or one of Kathy Wood's people essentially headhunted her. So Kathy yeah. Wood is like the billionaire, lots of money. She's the capital to make the SEC happy. Elena is the crypto knowledge to also make the SEC happy. So she is really cool and not to knock anyone else, but honestly helping drive mainstream adoption more than most of the people on this list. Yeah, especially the other two on this page. <laughs> Just kidding. These are two of the biggest brands in the crypto space right now. Um, the next of which is from the likes of Ronale Rumberg, who is the co-founder of Audius. And if you're not familiar with Audius yet, I don't know what rock you're sleeping under because they are trying to become the decentralized Spotify. They had a massive deal earlier in the year that we covered um, when they joined forces with TikTok and got like a dollar price boost out of that. I think they went from like a buck to two twenty-five or something like that, and haven't looked back since. Um, I love Audius. I think they're doing really, really great work. Um, and to see that, like, he's really challenging the paradigms in the music industry makes me really happy because ultimately we're going to see the music industry be forced to adapt to crypto more and more as time goes on. And I think that's probably going to give the artists a lot more freedom and a lot more credit and the ability to earn more without having to work in so many middlemen. Absolutely. And one thing that comes to mind is it's interesting, right? That they call themselves... They want to be the decentralized Spotify. And they're actually becoming more of like the decentralized title. Title you may remember we talked about earlier in the show because they are now under Block, aka the new Square. What title was, it was a project about 10 years ago now. Jay-Z was like the leading person for it. And essentially his goal was to get artists on this platform. But instead of, you know, only getting a cent or something for like 10,000 streams, which is essentially what the conversion rate is, they would have gotten the bulk of it, like 95 plus percent of it. And that is my understanding of more what Audience is trying to do is give the real agency and power back to artists, right? So give them the bulk of the capital that that, the platform earns from plays and streams, give them the ability to market and kind of record their music and then publish it themselves without the need for a record label. Yeah, that and they're also enabling artists to start using um, music NFTs. So a lot of really cool stuff going on there with Audius. There was something that you had just said. I'm just missing it. It was with Tidal. The thing, that, the thing that's different about Title to Audius that I thought was kind of interesting about Title back when I originally heard about it was their entire value prop to why they could pay the artist more is because they were going to be streaming lossless um, music. So basically, the analog version so that you're not having to hear it with like digital meltdown when you're like distilling it down to like whatever that would be. I think it's like a 196 kbps. Interesting. I mean, Anyway, sorry, that. that's that's the old music brain of mine coming in. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was the really cool thing about them back then. But Audius is taking out middlemen completely. 
Now, speaking of middlemen, Alex Atala made the list, who's the co-founder of OpenSea. OpenSea is the official middleman of the NFT world. They are basically eBay allowing people to go and sell NFTs peer-to-peer. I would say this is really, really cool. But at the same time, I'm sitting here being like, you guys don't deserve to be on this list right now. Because OpenSea has pissed off the entire NFT community across the last three or four months, uh, given conflict and scandal after scandal. Uh, But look, he's partially responsible for giving us the very first NFT exchange. So we do need to be grateful to some level. Any comment on this one before we keep going? Not at all. Look, all, all joking aside and all of my angst aside, this is actually a really big deal. Um, they in the finance category, like being able to say that, like you founded very first NFT exchange of note that's doing trillions of dollars in volume every month. It's a big deal. So the fact that Alex got on here, big ups to him. Next up is one that you may have heard of on a recent episode is Antonio Giuliano, who is the founder of DYDX. DYDX is a decentralized exchange protocol that was launched earlier this year on layer two using ZK rollups. Um, they're on po- the Polygon network specifically. And from everything I can tell about it, the platform is legit, like really, really, really well built. And a lot of respect and a lot of total value locked increasing across like the last couple of months, especially. Yeah. Um, Chris, any comment to add on that one? No, it's just echoing what you were saying. It's a Incredible project, and there is a very good reason that Antonio is included on this list. I will leave it there. Perfect. Well, then, next one that we have is kind of similar because, as I understand it, they are also built on Polygon. Um, but this is Slingshot, which is a, decentral- a decentralized trading platform. I love it when I can't talk. Um, so, yeah, they're using Polygon as their base layer and um, scaling through Arbitrum. It's an interesting project. I don't really see them as standing out in the industry if I'm being critical. But I need to understand more about this project. I just think it's really cool that they also made the list while you have other DEXs making the list. Yeah. Aggregators are actually something I only learned about about a week ago. They're a really cool, really interesting concept. And I learned about them researching Solana for a video I did on our YouTube channel. Go check that out. I was about to say, and I think you can go check that out right now. Yeah. Well, not right now. After we're done streaming. Anyway, Tegan Klein, another really phenomenal name on this list. Um, she is a co-founder of a company called Edge and Node. Edge and Node, for those that don't know, which I imagine is everyone, is actually the original team behind the graph, which Chris hates, of course. But you know, to, like me, a, a beast. <laughs> to me, um, what she's done in terms of creating an indexing protocol is unheard of. It needs to be done better. I think that they've got a number of improvements that are already scheduled in their roadmap. But her work in the industry and also like being somebody that young women can look up to in this community is really, really awesome to me seeing that she's on the 30 under 30. Any other things to add on Edge and Node before we keep going? That's all for me. Alrighty. Then into the next, next part of the list... We have Justin Woodward, who is the co-founder of Taxbit. Taxbit is a crypto tax reporting software um, that automates the process of like reporting all of your taxes in the crypto world. Chris, what do you know about Justin? I know very little about Justin, but I know a lot about Taxbit. Um, for those who don't know, um, CryptoCurrent actually has a tax sponsor. We have CryptoTrader.tax. Uh, if you need help with your crypto taxes, go check them out because I'm pretty sure it is free up to a certain amount of transactions. Taxbit is similar. It is another crypto tax software. But as far as I'm aware, and the big difference here and what's cool is if you pay an exorbitant amount of money, they actually have CPAs on staff who will go essentially line by line through your yearly crypto taxes and help you. But again, you have to pay an exorbitant amount of money. That's all I know though. It is a really cool company. All of these tax, you know, crypto tax assisting companies are because they are doing work that, quite frankly, most CPAs would have no idea where even to start. Oh, yeah. And look, there's a couple of really interesting things to me about Taxbit. Uh, so I want to share just a few of them. And this is taken straight from Forbes.com on his profile. But 
basically what Taxfit is doing is they're giving enterprises real-time insight into taxes on crypto and equities. So their client list includes the IRS. And then they've also raised 230 mil from Tiger Global. So they have reached like a $1.3 billion valuation and also are based in Utah, which I don't know many like crypto companies that are based in Utah. So hopefully that is a burgeoning crypto community. I don't know if it is or not, um, but I still think it's pretty cool. So let's keep going. TRM Labs, they are in charge of crypto compliance. Um, so they have a number of different compliance functions. And their co-founder, Raul Reyna, was acknowledged on the list this year. Um, do you know anything beyond that? Yeah. So what TRM Labs does is actually kind of similar to Taxbit, whereas Taxbit is focused on you know investors, consumers, etc. TRM Labs actually works with the IRS. They have this you know crypto compliance software, but they help essentially track where digital assets go, and so they can. Basically, it's like a little anti-money laundering, a little anti-tax evasion, all kind of wrapped up into one. And I'm sure there are people who are going to watch this and be annoyed. But it's a good thing we have this because, again, one of the biggest complaints or kind of arguments used against crypto is money laundering. But TRM Labs is actively kind of working with the government to solve that and show that, hey, look, it's not really an issue. And the more that you know, crypto taxes are reported, TRM's, TRM Labs software is used, the more people will come to realize that. So they are doing a great job. Um, so hats off to Raul and everyone else on the list. The next two, another dynamic duo, the co-founders of Modern Treasury, Sam Ahrens and Matt Marcus. Um, I really think that Modern Treasury is really cool. I didn't know about them before 30 Under 30. But what they're doing is they're trying to essentially do what XRP was intended to do while XRP is being sued. Um, it's really, it's quite interesting. They're, they're trying to create money movement APIs. So create new mechanisms for wiring money and doing ACH transfers. And what's the other acronym that I'm forgetting? RTP transfers, all of that type of stuff. Um, they're trying to bake into a single API and web app. And then they're also handling another piece through like the reconciliation of payments. Um, so a lot of really cool stuff that they're doing over there. Um, did you know anything else in particular about Modern Treasury? Nope. I... You covered it all, I believe. Sweet. I love it when I do that. The, that, of course, rounds out the entire list. So again, you have a ton of diversity across this year's list, um, representing every corner of the crypto world, to be honest. I, like I think it's very well represented. I do wish that there were a few more female names on here um, to get like more equal and equi equitable representation. But again, these female founders are definitely inspirations to like young women in this space, and will continue to be for years, I'm sure. Oh yeah, and I mean the the cool thing about it, honestly, is if you think about it, right? Obviously, Forbes is going to try and make things more balanced because there are a lot of women in all industries doing incredible things. But crypto tech in particular are traditionally male dominated. And to see as many as like, I think we had what, like five women total on this list, four or five women total. That is unreal to have that level of balance, you know, compared to other industries, especially one that's historically male dominated. So hats off to all the women that popped off and have accomplished so much well before I think either Steve or I will. Well, they're doing good stuff. Let's not get carried away. All right. So <laughs> that's, that's going to wrap up the aftershock for us this week. If you enjoyed what we covered here and you want to learn more about any one of these projects, guys, let us know in the comments or get at us on Twitter. Please, we really do want to make sure that we're making these um, segments especially educational. But what'd you do, Chris? Just changing, you're just changing the stream, man. There we go. I figured it out. That's fine. Get at us on Twitter. Hit us up. We want to make sure that we're covering the stuff that you guys want to learn more about. Um, otherwise, we're just going to continue teaching, generally speaking, across the industry to help you become better, um, more understanding of crypto. Let's go with that. 
So Chris, before we round out the show this week, um, we've got a couple of announcements for everybody. Um, of course, if you have not yet checked out the interviews from this week, we had a great, great interview from Richard sitting down with Brett King, um, and who is, by the way, apparently referred to as the godfather of fintech. Did not know that. Um, but he apparently um, sat down and, sat and discussed with Richard his new book called The Rise of Techno-Socialism. Very interesting interview. Super insightful. He broke it down very well. Then tomorrow, Richard is sitting down with Julian Rodriguez from Memento to discuss um, kind of the next evolution on POAPs, if you're not familiar, doing proof of actual participation and creating NFTs from the moments in our lives that we want to keep track of. Really interesting stuff. Love that. But of course, next Monday, Richard has an, a brand new interview with Bo, Ol Bo Olson from Transient Network. Transient pitches themselves as the Amazon of smart contracts. Um, you got to have cojones to call yourself that. I'm just going to put that out there. And then, of course, next Friday, which we'll tell you more about next week, he is sitting down with Darius Kozlovskis from Drops.co, which has a very unique deployment on NFTFi. So again, if you want to get all of that before everybody else does and be the very first to see these videos, what you have to do is you have to click on that subscribe button and then hit the bell so that we get notifications turned on for you. And then you can be here with us every time we do new content. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's the Other best. Otherwise, you're going to be you know, catching it late and we want to make sure that we're keeping you very cryptocurrent. Besides that, Chris, I don't think we've got much else for this week. Um, do you have any thing to add on the content that you put out with uh, your crypto basics with Chris K? Yeah, so still haven't decided what I'm going to do for next week. So for anyone watching or listening, do you have a topic that you want me to cover? Think something basic in crypto or you want to learn more about a particular coin or project? Let me know. Leave a comment on this video. Tweet at uh, It's Me Chiss on Twitter. And let me know. You guys have until Sunday, uh, December 5th. And if no one lets me know by then, I will come up with something fun. But besides that, shout out to Cold Data in here most of the stream, chatting, being fun. If y'all want to also come hang out, you can join us every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And we will also shout you out for chatting and hanging out. So yep. come and we always. We always love having people active in the chat here. Um, it makes these streams a lot more fun. But that, as we like to say around here, will do it for us on Cryptocurrent Live this week. Please get in touch with us. Give us a follow. You can follow Chris over at either at It's Mikis on Twitter or at It's Mikis on Twitter. You pick. It's your pronunciation, not mine or his. Um, and frankly, it'll make me laugh more. And you can also follow me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. Last thing, if you would like some editorial content from us, we have a great deal of article content over on crypto-current.co. That is our home on the interwebs. We'd love it if you check out some of that stuff. But that is going to do it for us here at Crypto Current. We hope you have a great week. Stay Crypto Current. We will see you next time on Tuesday. Bye.